What is going on, spectators? Welcome back to another episode. Today, this is going to be myself, and we are going over the NFL Week 5 winners and losers. We're going over an incredible, incredible first ever multi-game, multi-team wildcard weekend in the MLB. And I'm ready to get into it. We're going to look at some predictions going into the DS series as well. And I just want to break it down because there was a lot of really good stuff. We're going to start off right away with the NFL Week 5 stuff. And there's a lot of winners. There's a lot of losers. This is kind of the, the weird part of the NFL year where you really start to see who's who. Really, I like to think Week 7 is. So when that Week 7 episode comes out. I think we'll have a really good idea of who's legit and who's not because there's some teams that have a lot of wins that I don't think will end up with a lot of wins, but at the moment they do. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at all that. Um, my first winner for the week is going to be none other than the New York Giants. Let me tell you something. The New York Giants are the biggest surprise of the season so far. I don't know how much of a contender they are. Daniel Jones is still, in my opinion, maybe the worst starting quarterback in the league, which is a pretty aggressive take. But I, I think a lot of people might agree with me on that. If you just watch Daniel Jones, he doesn't do anything that you're wowed about. But last week, he had a good week. And that's the issue with him. That's it. Last week against the Packers in London, the London series continues. They get another pretty decent game, back-to-back -back good weeks. So shout-out to London for getting a, a decent NFL product out of us. Um, that was about his ceiling, Daniel Jones. And his ceiling is beating the Packers, which that's a really good ceiling. But in a pretty low-scoring, much you have to come back affair, that you got an uncharacteristic second half out of the Packers. They didn't score a single offensive point. The only point they got was out of a elected safety from the Giants to try and milk the clock and get better field position. Otherwise, the Packers would have been shut out in the second half. And that's just not really something that's going to happen with the Packers really ever. So it was kind of uncharacteristic. Good adjustments by the Giants. And at this point, Dable is looking like he's going to be coach of the year. Obviously, there's plenty of things to change. Uh, it's, it's week five, right? So, I mean, if the Giants wind up winning seven, eight, nine games... I would find it hard to believe another coach outside of Dable wins coach of the year unless somebody else goes crazy and just goes on a run and turns around the script like the Raiders wind up winning their division or something crazy like that. Um, but as of this moment, he has my vote, coach of the year. Saquon might be comeback player of the year. I think he's second in the league in rushing right behind Nick Chubb, so he's been balling. I don't think the Giants are going to be good moving forward but i do want to give them their week five flowers and they are a winner absolutely for this week let me know if you guys agree with any of my winners and losers too um again it's kind of hard to judge the the players and the teams at this point um but this is an easy one loser the denver broncos man if you guys have been on twitter the last like five six days it has been non-stop like usually when somebody has a bad game bad performance bad you know couple of quarters or something like that the memes happen and they go away no we're five weeks in and the broncos just cannot score this offense is horrible horrible and i think a lot of it comes down to nathaniel hackett the head coach he was brought in he's a first year head coach to be an offensive mind a lot of people thought he might be a really good offensive mind he was working with aaron Rodgers over there in green bay 
Um, it shows how much of a crutch Rodgers is and having Devontae Adams and obviously Aaron Jones, and they have a great O-line. So, like, he had every piece he could have ever wanted. And then you go to a situation which isn't quite as good, but you go get a potential Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson who is not even remotely looking like a Hall of Fame quarterback. He looks really, really, really bad. They scored nine points in probably the worst game I've seen ever. Like, I've seen this game was worse than the Blizzard Bowl last year between the Bills and the Patriots because at least that game had an excuse, right? It was an actual blizzard. They couldn't throw the ball. And this winds up being 12-9 to in overtime. Nathaniel Hackett goes for it on fourth down instead of taking the points to go for the tie. They go for the win instead of the tie. And if they get the tie... They wind up being two, two and one. Instead, they're two and three. Now they're under five hundred. They're not winning their division, and they can't score. And I thought this might be a couple week thing, but we're going into week six, and this offense has looked putrid. While meanwhile, in Seattle, Geno Smith is one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league at the moment, especially statistically. I don't know if this is something sustainable for him, but he is looking incredibly accurate. He's making big throws, and they're scoring a lot over there. So it looks like the the Seahawks might have dodged a bullet by selling a lemon really high in Russell Wilson and then, like, getting the opposite of a lemon in Geno and just making him blossom. Um, so I guess that's going to be my winner. I, they still lost, right? The Seahawks still lost this game to the Saints, so it's hard to call them a winner. But I think... Big picture, they're absolutely a winner because this team looks like they're trying harder. Uh, Tyler Lockett still looks like a stud, so that's good. He had a really good week. Um, their weaknesses were O-line before uh, Russell Wilson was traded, and then D-line was starting to get really bad. Their front seven wasn't the best like it used to be back in the Legion of Boom. Russell Wilson's O-line was horrible. He was running for his life, and it might have been because they didn't like him because the Seahawks O-line now, I mean, they, they look incredible. They're giving up, like, no pressures, even to, like, good teams like the Saints with Cam Jordan. They're not giving any pressures. Obviously, the game wound up ending because they got to him a little bit, and that was after a 32-39 to 39 just, like, slugfest, right? These O-lines were tired. But I think the Seahawks are a winner, man. They, they don't win this game. They lose to the Saints, and they don't, like, game plan for Taysom Hill at all, which is, like, Cardinal sin number one. If you guys see Taysom Hill in a game, he's running. He's It's just that simple. He's not throwing the football. He's not there for smoke screen and smoke and mirrors. He's going to run the ball, and the Seahawks couldn't stop that. If they could have, they'd probably win this game. Uh, but Geno is the biggest singular player shock of the season and I'm just so impressed with him, and I'm and he's so confident. I saw in like a post game interview, he was just like, uh, "Did you expect this out of yourself?" He was like, he responded, he's like, "Yeah, did you ever think I could throw like this?" And it's like, no. And he's like, "Oh well, I guess you never seen me throw the ball." And it's like, that's my guy right there. That's my guy. That's my guy. So I I'd feel pretty, maybe not confident. It's still a tough division. Although everybody in that division is losing right now. At first place is the 49ers at 3-2. and two. So the Seahawks are only a game back of them. So anything can happen if they beat the 49ers. Who, who's to say? Who's to stop them? Who's to stop them? Um, another loser this week. 
is the Lions. The Lions, we've known their defense has been susceptible to giving up a lot of points. They give up 29 points to the third-string Patriots quarterback, a rookie, Zappy. And first of all, Zappy looked pretty okay. He looked great, but he looked okay, right? He had some moments. Uh, Shout-out to... Ramondre Stevenson. I can never pronounce his name, but Ramondre Stevenson, I'm pretty sure is how you say it. He went crazy. He took over Damian Harris's spot because he went down with an injury early in the game, popped off a 161. And whatever the Patriots scheme was this game, they really went all in to shut down the easy throws for Jared Goff. I know it's easy to say, like, yeah, they make a lot of big plays, but a lot of those big plays are created by their playmakers. Like, Amon Ross St. Brown is a playmaker. Uh, Reynolds is a playmaker. Like, they get the ball, and they make stuff happen. A lot of after-the-catch type stuff. They kind of shut them down beforehand. Amon Ross St. Brown only had four receptions in this game, and it became down It came down to the, to the Reynolds boys over there to get any sort of offense going, but they didn't even. They didn't score a single point. The league's best offense coming into this week gets blanked, and they still give up the typical amount of points that, that, that they have all year. So they don't score. They give up 29, and, and the Patriots are not the Patriots of old. This is not a Belichick-Brady Patriots team. Again, a third-string quarterback who's a rookie, his first ever start and all the trajectory that the Lions have been kind of creating. I know they've lost a lot of t- a lot of tough games this year. They were one and three. Everybody felt like they were probably a better team than that just watching them. This was a massive step back. And it just goes to show how hard the NFL is, no matter trajectory, no matter the hype. Like people were saying Jared Goff was like the next coming. Like he was in he's always involved in these elite offenses. He showed that there's a reason that they're going to be using him as a transitional quarterback instead of the guy moving forward. This is one of those games exactly why. He just didn't show up. The offense didn't show up. And they got owned. They, they really just got smacked in the teeth. So shout out to the Patriots for a really good game plan there. Um, <laughs> another loser, because this is a tough one. The Chiefs, or not the Chiefs, the Chargers and the Browns game. <sighs> Let's these two franchises, right? The Chargers and the Browns love to lose games they deserve to win. They just love to. They they absolutely love it. It's disgusting. It, I hate watching it. It's bad football. Austin Eckler finally wakes up. Austin Eckler had a hundred and seventy yards on the ground. I think he had another thirty or forty in, through the air. He was finally back. They get the rush game going finally, which is crazy because their O-line's been getting less healthy as the year's gone on, but the rush game's been getting better. So whether that's just like a zone scheme or whatever they're, they're employing over there, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Herbert still doesn't look 100%. He, de- he definitely doesn't look like the guy he is when he's healthy. But Brandon Staley is really, really aggressive as a head coach, right? And I think aggressiveness is really good when it's done – at the appropriate times, which there are more often than not appropriate times, right? But going for the going for a first down with less than a minute left in your own half, they're at the 50-ish, but in your own half, fourth and two, up two points, 
might be the single stupidest coaching decision I've seen in the NFL since Brandon Staley last year took a timeout in overtime to give the Raiders an opportunity to score and beat them, kicking the Chargers out of the playoff hunt and contention. Uh, Brandon Staley makes just stupid bonehead decisions all the time, despite how smart and like charismatic he might seem. And uh, they're lucky they won this game. I don't think he got fired if they lost this game, but they're lucky he won this game. Uh, it, it came down to Cleveland missing the kick. They, Cleveland gets the ball after the Chargers don't get that fourth and two. They go a couple yards. They miss the kick. If they hit it, they win. And this is a very different narrative we're talking about. <sighs> Man, the Chargers have a lot of issues, and it's mostly down on the coaching staff. Like I don't think they game plan like at all. Like I think they just go out there and hope. This team is too talented to be like winning games the way they do and losing games the way they do. And they are absolutely a loser. The Browns are a loser because they tweeted three weeks ago that this is why you draft a kicker and then that same kicker misses the game winner. You can't do that. You got to gift wrap the game, especially at the end there. You can't do that. Deshaun Watson's coming back relatively soon, though. Jacoby Brissett's not been horrible. Jacoby Brissett's been better than a handful of starters in this league to this point. So shout out to Jacoby. And then Nick Chubb's been the best running back in football for the last two years now. So, like, as a whole, right, the whole product of Nick Chubb. So shout out to Nick Chubb. Uh, he, he keeps it going. He had two touchdowns and over a buck. And But that game was loser to watch. It, it felt like a high-scoring version of the, uh, the Broncos-Colts game, and that's not a good place to be at all <laughs> so I'm trying to think if there's any other winners or losers i have right now josh allen's a winner josh allen and the bill actually not josh, josh allen's not a winner the bills are a winner the bills are a winner because they drafted a project quarterback that actually worked out it never happens i swear projects don't ever work out when you look at the daniel jones is the sam darnold's the um there's, there's so many of them there's so many of them. Uh, there was a quarterback from Memphis a couple years ago. I, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he didn't work out. And then so many quarterbacks just don't work. Trey Lance, he gets hurt after sitting for a full season. Now he gets hurt. He'll probably not work out just based on how statistics work. You're not going to become an elite-level quarterback in your f third season but first actually starting. And it's just so unlikely. But Josh Allen has just developed into a top – three quarterback in the league at worst and at best he might be the best quarterback in the league 424 yards he had 370 at the half which was a bills record he was threatening to break the all-time record he had 42 on the ground so almost 500 all-purpose yards for josh allen he did throw a pick who cares <laughs> Who cares? They brought Case Keenum into this game at the end. Shout out to Case Keenum. He got the seat of field. We love me some Case. Yeah, the Bills are just absolute winners because what they've done in developing Josh Allen, and now he has so many weapons with Gabe Davis, who's their third string wide receiver, maybe second, depending on uh, the depth chart that day. He's turned into a legitimate wide receiver. Stephon Diggs is obviously great. They had a guy looming in the background. Shakir gets his first start. And his first catch in the NFL this week. He gets a tutty. He had 75 yards. 
Shout out to him. He he wasn't even playing be- <clears throat> because they just had death at the wide receiver position. They have a they have a dog pretty much at every spot besides running back, and they just don't need. Run- they're showing like running backs don't matter. They don't run the ball at all. And they're putting up thirty eight against a pretty good Steelers defense. Um, by the way, the Steelers are cooked. If you didn't know, this is gonna be Mike Tomlin's worst year. I think we all kind of expected that. It's okay. And I think that's where I'm going to leave the NFL chatter because everybody else is – there's so many 3-2 and two and 2-3 two and three teams right now that I can't dissect who's good. And then even with the Giants, they're 4-1. and one. I don't love them. I think the Cowboys are actually in a better spot than I would like to say. They beat the Rams last night. <sighs> Matt Stafford looks tired. They're having a Super Bowl, like, not a hangover at this point. They're just dehydrated. Nobody gave them Pedialyte. <laughs> They're kind of going through a two-game losing streak for the world champions. I don't know. I don't like the landscape of the, the NFL right now outside of the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. Everybody else, I think, kind of sucks. <laughs> That's just me. I think the 49ers, if they get healthy, will actually be in that conversation too. But they are not healthy yet, so who cares? They also lost Mosley. I think he tore his ACL last night. So the 49ers curse continues. It continues. Now I'm going to pop on over to the wild card because the wild card in the MLB, this is the first time they had ever done a three-game series wild card with the expanded, right? So there was four series, three-game series, then the one and the two seed for each uh, league got buys essentially so the Yankees Astros Dodgers and Braves all got a buy so we had to see a hundred win team in the Mets have to play in a wild card and uh spoiler alert they blew it the the lull Mets are gonna lull Met it's kind of embarrassing at this point right the New York Mets have been long known over the last four five six years to be wasting the career of Jacob DeGrom. He was a late bloomer. It's it's notable that he's the same age as Clayton Kershaw, and he's only pitched like half the seasons, although he's been fantastic in pretty much every season he's pitched in. He has a losing record as a starter because they can't provide offense for him, despite him being the most dominant pitcher I've ever seen. And now he's going into a contract year. They lose at home to a worse Padres team who don't have their best player. Man, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets. Oh, my God. They they go and they spend money. They get Max Scherzer. He gets lit up in game one. Absolutely lit up. That's the reason they went and got him. He was getting $40 million plus a year. They went and paid Max Scherzer. I, I get it. Max Scherzer is a Hall of Famer. He's been incredible. He's had an amazing career. He won a World Series. But that is about as bad of a start as you could have drawn up. The Mets lose 7-1 in Game 1. Scherzer gets rocked and booed off the mound. He got booed. $40 million to boo him off the mound in Game 1. Reminds me of the other pitcher over in New York in the wild card last year. But this was somehow even worse because the Mets were obviously favored. They won 100 games. And he blew his last start against the Braves, that if they won that or any of the other two games against the Braves, they didn't need to be in this situation. So the full last two-week collapse of the Mets, where they lose, get swept by the Braves, which is the only 
real realm that they don't win this division happens, then they have to play the Padres. And even if they beat the Padres, now they have to go play the Dodgers. They hand gift wrapped an easier way for the Braves to not only get into the playoffs, but to win the division and then maybe go back to the World Series to go back to back. It's just a bad look. It's a really bad look. And the Mets, uh, the Mets are going to met. They do it every year. I hate the, I hate saying that an organization is going to do what the organization does, but sometimes like there's a reason for it, right? Like, Sometimes winning is just not in your DNA. <laughs> Sometimes it's just not. Uh, man, so the Padres advance. They're going to play the Dodgers. The other side of that is the Phillies. The Phillies took care of business. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are the best, and I will I will double down on this. They are the best one-two starting combo left in the playoffs right now. They are the best. Zach Wheeler was third in Cy Young last year. He's been fantastic this year. Aaron Nola is probably going to be top three in Cy Young this year. They've both been amazing. Aaron Nola's gotten his home runs per nine down. And he has a weird ERA because his ERA is super high, but it's also because the defense makes a lot of errors, particularly with him, because he's like a guy who gets the ball and play a lot. But he's pitched very well, and the, the results are just not fully there because of the defense. But when Alec Bohm is making plays like he did against the Cardinals, I don't know how much of a problem that's going to be. Also, this is a weird series, too, because Kyle Schwarber did virtually nothing. Nick Castellanos did virtually nothing. And they still were able to score. Bryce Harper had a big home run. And the storybook careers of future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols and maybe Hall of Famer Yadier Molina both end on singles and hits, which is a cool way to end it. I didn't love that the the way that the Cardinals managed the series either because they let Yadi hit two consecutive games in the ninth inning when he has just not had a good season at the bat. It felt like they're like, oh, well, you're, this is your last season, so go ahead and hit. Try and win the game so that this isn't his last game. If you take him out, bring in a bopper, and he gets a hit or a homer, like, anybody else maybe could because Yachty's not hitting homers anymore maybe you're still playing instead they try and give him the storybook finish and uh, you know now they're out they get swept at home two games by the Phillies after having a gigantic lead and a just a all-time collapse by Ryan Helsley in the ninth inning of game one Helsley was the one of the best relievers in baseball this year and for him to collapse the way he did essentially ending the cardinal season because it put them in a really bad situation it's that's it's tough <laughs> not a whole lot of other ways to put it it's absolutely tough shout out to the phillies phillies get the braves so we get two divisional matchups with padres dodgers phillies braves over in the nlds sliding on over to the american league the blue jays the blue jays the blue jays the blue jays oh man the Blue Jays came into this season with maybe the highest expectations of any, of any American League team. I know a lot of people still thought the Astros were going to be good, and clearly they proved that, that they were going to be great. They won the American League this year, and kudos to them. But I think mostly, money-wise, if you had to look at Vegas, the Blue Jays were probably the favorites to win the American League, especially after getting Jose Barrios. They went and got Yusuke Kikuchi. They didn't re-sign Robbie Ray, but they went and got Kevin Gosman, who I think is a direct upgrade to Robbie Ray, which and it kind of showed, too. Blue Jays should have been great. Vladdy was coming off almost a triple crown year. Bo Bichette is a silver slugger looking. Obviously, George Springer is a playoff dog, and I hope he's good. After that nasty collision he had with Bo Bichette, he got carted off the field. I hope George Springer is all good. 
and that um, he'll be good to go and nothing too crazy happened if he did get a concussion. Um, I'm not exactly sure what, what happened with him. I haven't double-checked, but hopefully he's okay. The Blues get shut out in game one. They got shut out in game one. They wanted to go get a high-end starter. They didn't get Luis Castillo. The Mariners got Castillo and then signed him to an extension. Castillo absolutely shoved in this game. I mean, he was throwing 100, 101. He doesn't do that. He throws hard, but he doesn't throw 100. He was throwing 100, 101 in this game with just pinpoint accuracy, and the Blue Jays were kind of lost. It was a right-hand heavy lineup, too. With the heavy sinker that he throws and then the changeup, that's one of the best in a game. I mean, his changeup and Devin Williams are like one-two in terms of how good they are as pitches. They mowed them down in game one. That's fine. It happens. You have two more games. Come back. You're at home. They put up an eight spot. They're up eight to one on the Mariners. Robbie Ray got shelled against his old team. He pitched. Blue Jays let him up. Teoscar had two home runs. The second biggest comeback in a single game in MLB postseason history happened in this game. The Mariners come back from 8-1 to one to win it 10-9. to nine. Carlos Santana hit a three-run homer. They pull Kevin Gosman after getting two outs. It was bases loaded. They leave him in. He gets two outs. Then they take him out to bring in the lefty Tim Miza against Carlos Santana, who hits lefties 10 times better than he hits righties. He first pitch pass ball scores a run later in the about he gets that three run home run. I guarantee you, and it's easy in hindsight to say, but I guarantee you if they leave Kevin Gosman in, they win this game and they win the series. I think they would have won game three last night. Instead, they take out Kevin Gosman. They wind up losing this game. It's just heartbreak. And Vladimir Guerrero <laughs> said last year was the trailer. This year was going to be the movie, and this movie ended poorly. It was like a bad Netflix rom-com that nobody has seen. Because it had a bunch of actors that they really liked, but they just saw the Rotten Tomato scores and didn't go check it out. Not good. Also, Vladdy walked off the Yankees. I'm going to be a little bitter about this because, as you guys know, I'm a Yankee fan. Vladdy walked off the Yankees, I think, the last week of the season. Then he goes, this is my house. Since he said, this is my house, the Yankees won the American League East. Aaron Judge tied the home run record. The Blue Jays give up the second biggest comeback in MLB history, and they get swept at home by the Mariners, who had not been to the playoffs in 20 years. Not a great way to defend your house, Laddie. Not a great way to defend your house. And then we move to the last series. This series sucked. I'm just going to be very transparent with you guys. This Rays-Guardian series was horrible. Pitching is great. We knew this was going to be a pitching matchup to begin with. I mean, the over-under the over for Game 2 was 5. Five for a full baseball game is crazy low. It's crazy low. Usually it's around seven, eight, nine for the over-under. The under hit on both of these games. The only runs. The only runs. There was four runs total scored in this series. It was a two-game series. It lasted 24. That's that's right. 24 innings in two games because they went to 15 in game two. Every single run was scored on the home run. So don't give me this contact hitters. I need contact situational hitters. No. The long ball wins in the playoffs. It always does. It always will. Jose Ramirez wins game one with a two-run homer. 
after Jose Siri took the lead early. Jose Siri hit a home run for the Rays in game one. That was the only run that they were going to score the entire series. I actually want to see how many strikeouts the Rays in total had. Because that would be an interesting little nugget. Um, game one, they struck out nine times. And what about game two? This is going to take one second. Game two, they struck out 20 times. The Rays struck out 29 times in two games. 29 times. And I'm I'm not against the strikeout. I think strikeouts are fine, especially if you're going to hit home runs. But when you score one run and you strike out 29 times, you have to look inward this offseason. The Rays, they've, they've been fantastic about building pitching. They, they grab any Tom, Dick, and Harry from the side of the street and make you into elite an elite arm, whether it's starter or reliever or spot starter, or you're going to throw a slider, you're going to throw a a running fastball, and you're going to be productive for this raised bullpen. But they need to look inward and get some bats because this formula that they're developing, this next man up mentality that they're developing is not working in terms of production. Yes, they've been to a World Series. It was a weird year in 2020, but they did go to a World Series. Hasn't been great since. Losing to the Guardians, who were supposed to be a basement dweller. And he got kind of smoked. I mean, they only won by two-run differential, but they outlasted you, they outpitched you, and they outhit you. They outfielded you. So, the Rays are going to have to do some soul-searching because the the formula ain't there. It ain't working. And uh, now we're going to go ahead and hop over to the current place, uh, playoffs, not PlayStation, playoffs bracket with the updated teams. This is what we're looking at here. And we're looking at a couple of pretty darn good series. Three of the four divisional rivalries, which I think will play a big part. A lot of these teams are familiar with each other. They've played each other 19 plus times. I mean, that's just a crazy amount. This is going to be 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 if it goes five. 24 matchups between a team if it goes five is just ridiculous and then you have the yankees guardians we'll start with that one because it's the the most foreign of the two the yankees won the regular season matchup in this uh the yankees outscored them i think it was 36 to 14 off the top of my head so the yankees hit what the guardians were pitching it was a little bit before the guardians got on their hot streak they did end the season really really well and ran away with the division i think people thought they were going to win it especially by the the three-quarter mark of the year but they really ran away with it at the end. They had a they had an easier schedule though, but they took advantage of that. The Yankees, they've had a week off. They've had a week off. And they've been recovering some injuries. Matt Carpenter is going to be on the playoff roster. And then if you guys didn't know this, Aroldis Chapman <laughs> is not on the playoffs. Aroldis Chapman's most likely pitched his last inning as a Yankee, which is kind of crazy to think about. He just didn't show up to practice. And Bob Nightingale said pretty much, Chapman said, hey. Am I going to be on the roster? And they said maybe. And he was like, oh, maybe he's not good enough and just didn't show up. So Chapman's career as a Yankee is most likely done. And that's just a, a wild way for it to end. And I don't think Yankee fans are going to be too upset about it, especially the way he's pitched historically in the playoffs, but also just in general the last year and a half for them. I know I'm not too upset about it as a Yankee fan. Uh, Yankees-Guardians, if the Yankees hit – seven home runs in this series i think they win it 
I don't think it's going to take a whole lot. Hopefully, all if all seven of those are in one game, then no. <laughs> but I think if they wind up hitting two home runs a game, which I don't see why the Yankees wouldn't do that, uh, or at least have that in them, they'll win this series pretty handily. If the Guardians are able to keep them in the ballpark, though, this could get interesting. Because if they keep them in the ballpark, the Yankees are pretty reliant on their home run ball, although the back half of the season, uh, they got a little bit better at it when Oswaldo Cabrera came up and Matt Carpenter wasn't there to be hitting those long balls. They got a little bit better at it. But Tristan McKenzie is going to be an issue for the Yankees. I think that'll be the hardest pitcher they have to face because Shane Bieber is fantastic and he mowed down the Rays. But the Yankees have had pretty good success against Bieber historically and especially in the playoffs. Last time they played, I think they put up seven on him. This is going to be an uphill battle for the Guardians. I don't think it's out of the question. If they can get to the if they can get to the back end of the game, seventh inning, and be winning two, three to one, I think they have a good chance to win that particular game. If they're winning by two the back half of their bullpen up. I think their bullpen is the best probably remaining in the playoffs. Looking at it right now, probably they have the best bullpen remaining. Classy has been all world. Karen check's been really good. Uh, and then obviously they only give a one run in 25 innings to the Rays. So like their pitching staff is going to be amazing. I do think the Yankees wind up winning this in four. I think Cleveland gets a game in Cleveland. In fact, I think they get game one in Cleveland. The Yankees are just kind of too good of an offense. And not even too good of an offense, but I think they just wind up getting home runs too often, and the Guardians are not going to be able to overcome two, three-run deficits. They just don't have the firepower, especially consistently. So I like the Yankees in this one in four. Sliding over to the Mariners-Astros. This is going to be a big litmus test for the Mariners. I think they're really hot right now. Cal Raleigh is on a tear. Julio's not even 100% back, so if he can become who he's been all year, this actually has a chance to be a really good series. I just think the Astros historically have owned the Mariners, especially since the Astros have come into this division. They don't lose to them a whole lot. Verlander's going to win a Cy Young. I don't expect him to lose his game. That's going to be game one. That's going to be game four. So that's <laughs> you got to win the other three games if you're the Mariners. Uh, Luis Castillo, thankfully for them, isn't going to pitch game one, so they kind of stagger it a little bit Castillo's going to pitch game two uh Logan Gilbert I think Logan Gilbert's going to go game one so that's decently good news for them I don't know if the Mariners can win this they're going to prove a lot to not only themselves but to the entire league that they are not hey we made it we're happy to be here and yeah we beat the the Blue Jays but they kind of lost it more than we won it we are here to compete, and we have it in us because they have a great staff. I mean, their four rotate their four man rotations as good as any in the league with George Kirby and his emergence. Logan Gilbert's looked really good. I mean, I think Robbie Ray is a weak point, and he won the Cy Young last year, which is pretty crazy. And then Munoz is just one of those slept on relievers. He's literally just Edwin Diaz, but throws harder, and his slider is better. He just doesn't have the trumpets, and he doesn't have quite as much swag. Um, I think Munoz is going to be great. If they can sneak a win against Verlander in game one, this could be really, really, really fun. I just think the Astros are better. Altuve, Jordan's been the second best hitter in baseball this year next to Aaron Judge. Altuve put up a better year than his MVP year. So, I mean, this is a really good team that I don't really see losing. But, again, it could be a statement win for the Mariners if they get it done. Uh, popping over to the Braves, 
Phillies matchup. The Braves-Phillies is going to come a lot down to how much the pitching staff of the Phillies can dominate. If the Phillies are able to get seven innings out of Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in their three or four combined starts that they're going to get out of them, if they can go seven innings, one or two allowed, this could be really, really good. But if those, if either of those guys lay an egg and give up four or five in a game, this is going to be bad because their bullpen's not good. And if they have to go to their bullpen early, they're going to just crumble pretty fast. So using their bullpen sparingly, I think they'll get the timely hitting because they ha- they are a home run heavy team. It's just like they, they're not going to outscore the Braves in a high-scoring affair because the Braves have just as good of an offense as the Phillies, and they're going to be facing significantly worse pitching than the Phillies. So they're not going to outpace them if it becomes a run fest. So try and keep these games low-scoring. Get deep into the games of your starters. That's the Phillies' recipe for success. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Braves wind up actually winning in four as well. I don't think they'll sweep them. I think Zach Wheeler is going to cook one game. They'll they'll sneak a win. Harper will hit a homer. Something like that. They're, they're too they're too talented of a team to get swept. I think. And then we got Padres Dodgers. I think the Padres have been awesome, especially against the Mets. But they've kind of been mediocre the most of the year. The pitching staff's been high and been, been low. I don't like their bullpen. Outside of Josh Hader, and he's been a lot better in September, but he had a really rough August. I think the Dodgers win this in three. I think they kind of smoke them out of the, the gym. I would have really liked to see a Dodgers-Mets series. I think that would have been way better. But the Mets lulled Mets, and they choked. And now the Dodgers are going to sweep. I'm not going to predict any further than that. I do have it being pretty chalk, though, in terms of the ones and the two seeds, which it is what it is. Um, I just think they're better. Like I think they're significantly better teams, but it's the playoffs, and you don't really know what's going to happen in the playoffs because... Oof. There's a reason that all these teams are here. Madness usually happens. If there's going to be an upset that I would say happens, I would say they're both going to be on the American League side. I think if there's an upset, it's going to be the Guardians or the Mariners. I don't think that the Braves or the Dodgers lose their series. I just I don't think that the depth of the National team, National League was anywhere near as good as it was in the American League. And I also think that the two good teams in that are just significantly better. So... Um, I, I do expect the pod, or the Dodgers and the Braves to win. If there's going to be an upset, look for the Yankees. Look for the Astros. And that's that's what I'm feeling on that. And um, I think that's where we're going to wrap up this episode, guys. I did not expect it to be this long-winded, but uh, we had a lot to talk about, and I wanted a lot off my chest. So thank you, everybody, for watching. If you don't already, follow us on TikTok. Twitter, Instagram, go ahead, at Spectators Media. Go ahead and check us out on YouTube if you weren't watching this on there. We have a lot of great content for you guys. We have a video with Aaron Judge's, all of his home runs for the season. We've got some video essays coming out, especially once the MLB season comes to an end. There's a lot of really good storylines that I want you guys to see the full story of. So we're going to be putting those out for y'all. And uh, if you like it, make sure you like and subscribe, and we'll be back next week. Later, everybody. Peace.